Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Brian Passman. He is founder and head hunter at Hunter and Esquire. We're going to talk to him about the world of cannabis, the world of talent, executive search, uh, really trying to figure out how we crack the nut in the space of Getting the right people is one of the biggest challenges in cannabis, I find, is that the industry is growing quickly. We don't have a long legacy of people in the legal cannabis market. So, um, you know, we're, we're pulling from lots of different areas within cannabis, historical cannabis, within other industries. And it's a challenge, a challenge to find the right people, challenge getting people into cannabis, getting them set up, running, proficient, a lot to learn, both about cannabis itself and the cannabis industry. I'm always fascinated to see where we are with the talent side of this. It's one of the one of the big challenges for for many, many companies. So looking forward to the conversation. With that, Brian, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. I'm looking forward to the conversation as well. I try to read as much of your content as possible. I we always seem very aligned and yeah. we did this once before. It was fun and I really appreciate you having me back. Yeah, always fun. It's always so much happens in <laughs> it's always It's always fun to kind of bring someone back and, and see what's changed, how things have evolved, because uh, it always seems to have, have evolved in different ways. 
So before we kind of dive into what's going on, just kind of refresh people that didn't catch the previous episode, you know, give us a sense of your background, how you got into cannabis, why cannabis, give us a little bit of the story. Sure. So uh, we just celebrated our four-year anniversary, having launched Hunter and Esquire to serve the cannabis industry's leadership hiring needs. My story, I'll, I'll try to be short with it, is just I'm a career headhunter. It's all I've ever done beginning a little bit over 20 years ago, 15 years in the med tech, biotech space just under a few years in food and beverage CPG with a big adult beverage focus throughout all that, a relationship with the plant, as I call it. Uh And then just by certain, I guess, fortunate series of events, discovered that there was this uh, void not being filled in large part in the cannabis industry. So like, um, I think like a lot of people have received over the years, as far as advice to get in the industry, find find a niche, find a need, find an opportunity to help the industry and launch into that space. So that's what we did. Yeah. yeah. And what, um, I mean, I guess, what have you learned now that you've been in cannabis for a little while? What What's similar, what's different relative to other sectors, other industries in, ter- in terms of doing executive search? Yeah. So when we started four years ago, uh, what, what's different from then to now, big time for us is moving talent around within the industry. So when we began four years ago, our hiring partners really relied on us to bring them talent from CPG and life sciences and other industries because they figured, well, let's get all that professionalized uh, type of uh, leadership and focus on metrics and profitability and, and whatnot. And those people can learn the cannabis industry with us. And there wasn't a lot of hiring from within. Of course, that's changed yeah. since four years ago. A lot of those leaders have entered the industry And now that unicorn candidate, as we call it, is that person that thrived at a high level in whatever their discipline is in a past life mainstream industry and came into cannabis within the past, you know, say a few years. And um, our clients like the benefit of hiring someone that has learned the the watch outs and the difficulties of the industry on someone else's dime, sort of say. Yeah. Right. So it's it's a safer hire uh, because it. It's really hard to explain what to expect. This is not, you know, the, I don't believe it's the, a mystical, magical astronaut brain surgery industry to work in, but it is different in some yeah. uniquely challenging ways. So it's good to get that. And what now, now I feel like it's really evolved to a place of, okay, really measure um, and understand the successes of failures of those unicorn candidates in the cannabis industry. Because what that means is just because someone has succeeded in the industry, that doesn't mean they're going to succeed in your cannabis business. Yeah. Understand the differences and also understand in what circumstances they succeeded or failed because there are quite a bit of people in the industry that have and still do fail forward and they're winning and succeeding despite themselves. And there's also people that are failing when they shouldn't be because of things out of their control because their company can't access capital or other things out of their control. So really understand the success and failures. Right now, I think there's slippery slope of incestuous hiring in the industry blindly. Just yeah. like this person, they worked in the industry, hire them and not understanding how they've succeeded and failed. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the things or reasons people are moving around? I mean, I, you know, now that we've got some professionals that have some experience in cannabis, like what is driving movement? Is it, you know, companies that get stuck with capital, they can't grow. So executives, you know, need to find, you know, new opportunities. Like what, what are the dynamics? Or what are the things that are really kind of driving, you know, change change inside the industry here? Yeah, if you would have asked me that some years ago, I would have said, well, it's just 
uh, there's a lack of good leadership and people are moving to work for, for better leaders. And yeah. I, I, I mean, look, that's always going to be a challenge in this industry and any other, but I think to a lesser degree, that's the challenge. You, I think you, you, you hit one of them on the head is just capital. It's just, you know, accessing capital right now is, is a challenge. So you see people moving because, uh, they're not with a well-funded company, but also, you know, a lot of people have entered uh, just because they want to get in and maybe they interviewed with a company and saw some red flags, maybe not. And they joined and just realized that the whole mousetrap is broken. It's not just their boss or the leadership team. It's just the whole model. And they didn't really understand it moving in. And so now they have an understanding of what an MSO should be doing or a brand should be doing. And they're realizing their MSO or brand is not working a strategy or doesn't have a strategy at all. And, um, and then they're moving on with that knowledge to find a better brand or operating company to work with. Yeah. And what, um, I mean, what are companies looking for these days? I mean, I, I remember before, you know, everyone needed head cultivators for a while. And then it was, you know, marketing and, you know, kind of marketing strategy executives. I mean, what, what are the big needs in cannabis at an executive level these days? Yeah, sort of across the board. There are some holes uh, that we'd like to see filled, such as in the marketing space. There's not been a a lot of hiring very talented brand builders and, and other marketing leaders. We saw that dissipate with the beginning with the 2019 capital crunch and the pandemic early last year. It hasn't come back strong. Outside of that, most most functional areas are, I guess what we would call low-hanging fruit for talent out there that want to get into finance or legal or other roles. There are some hotter spots such as HR. I'd say for the past half year or so, we've had more HR, a newly created strategic HR leader roles created for our clients to recruit on than anything else by a large margin. So that's good news for everyone. After that, I'd say um, probably just finance, direct revenue generating roles in sales and sales leadership, and then probably legal and compliance. Got it. And I, how, I mean, what, how long are searches taking? I mean, when you're working with companies, what are you kind of setting expectations around? Like, how does it work from their, from their point of view? Sure. I mean, we just were just today wrapping up chief compliance officer search for an MSO and that that whole thing starts to finish took under a month. It took about a week to source a short list of candidates and, and the client spent the, the past few weeks interviewing them before coming to a decision just before Thanksgiving last week. So that was pretty quick. We're, we're working um, CFO and COO searches right now for other big operators that have taken quite a few months. It, in one case, it's a team that's not exceedingly well aligned on what they're looking for and the needs have evolved over time because yeah. they're really looking to level up. And it was sort of a very wide goal, goal post that's narrowed over time as they've talked to candidates, which, which happens quite a bit. And yeah. the other case, it's just a very rigorous hiring process to place a CFO at a publicly traded multi-state operator where you've got large part of a very large executive leadership team involved, numerous board members who are hard to access. So the, the whole process depends on where the company is and understanding what they want to hire and what their hiring process looks like for us. Typically, it's anywhere from a few days to a few weeks to get the slate right if we're given the, the rec upfront accurately and it doesn't change. Yeah. And how, I guess, how often does it change? I mean, give me a little sense <laughs> of, you know, how, how does the process typically unfold? I, I, I imagine that you know, there's some discovery, there's some trial and error. I mean, what, how do you help clients actually figure out not what they're just what they're asking for, but what they really need? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, so, you know, search does start out with with to the best we can a list of must haves and, and nice to haves. 
on the candidate profile. And then, and then really just about every time it does evolve, just there's varying degrees of does it you know, evolve where it really materially affects uh, the desired profile or is it just a little tweak? And I, I don't think this is cannabis industry specific, or I, actually I know it's not. Usually your, your, your hiring team learns a lot about what they want to accomplish in the role and what type of person they want in the role after they start speaking to candidates. And then again, those tweaks can happen in a big way or uh, in a small way. So it, the fact finding upfront is ideally a partnership between search firm and executive leadership team where us as the recruiter can access as many of the decision makers upfront and talk to them about what they want accomplished in the role through, through their lens and how it'll positively impact their you know, world within the organization. And if we're given that opportunity, as we sometimes are, then there's rarely any material tweaks that need to be made. In most cases in this industry, which is the difference when things are just going really fast and it's just the the sole hiring authority the role reports to and that HR business partner launching us into it, it's a very quick start. We uh, hash out some of those things, but then it's after their peers and uh, people in the organization start interviewing candidates and providing feedback. That's where some of those adjustments are made. So I guess the lesson is have as many of your stakeholders in the hiring process involved on the front end of it as much as you possibly can to get it right. And if it's an extra few days or a week or two of internal conversation, that could save you you know, a lot of time because if we're searching for a few days to a few weeks to get a slate and then you're finding out later what your stakeholders actually want, then obviously that's extra weeks of lost time built in there. Yeah, yeah. Kind of put you back. And how do you deal? I mean, I, I think one of the challenges, you know, when I work with executive teams and we're working on strategy, building out the leadership team and looking at kind of what skills, capacity, experience do we need? It's always a challenge of, well, there's what we need now, and then there's going to be what we need in a year and two years and three years. How do you kind of balance the, you know, kind of current needs and current kind of affordability of some of these roles versus, you know, knowing these companies are going to be growing and the needs could change quite a bit in a year or two? Like, what's the balance or how do you how do you figure out where that balance point is for some of these companies in terms of bringing on new executives? Yeah, well, that that is an excellent, excellent question. If if. If you're one of the cannabis businesses that is is sitting in the very luxurious place of knowing what you need, you know, some quarters or even years down the road, then that's fantastic. I think that's the 1%, if that, of the industry right now. You know, right, right, right now, it's, I think the foreseeable future is at best a few quarters out. And, you know, for us, it's been more of let's hire for what we need today and the, and the foreseeable and, you know, hopefully this person can evolve with us. And if we're going through the process the right way, that, that evolution should be proved out through really just qualifying them to work in the industry, such as looking at how have they evolved in their uh, personal and professional past lives. You know, have they worked across industries and company sizes and really getting to know them personally and understanding, uh, you know, can they grow with just, you know, uh, a family at home or a family in work life. Yeah. Right. So it, it's that I know is, is quite a bit different from, you know, if you're recruiting for, you know, companies in the mainstream that have been around for decades or, or centuries sometimes, and they know what two, three, four, five years down yeah. the road looks like, you know, outside of, you know, tragic events. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we're there yet in this industry. Yeah. Always a challenge. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. 
I'm curious how things have kind of played out pandemic. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it's affected a lot of companies and, you know, kind of the work from home and how this kind of changed the, you know, organizational dynamics and, and you know, talent sourcing strategies. Obviously, cannabis was a little unique in that it, it, it was kind of booming during COVID. What has been kind of the shift, if any, with companies in terms of where they're looking for talent, how they're kind of looking at, you know, options now that, you know, there's a lot more kind of virtual teams, uh, remote work. I mean, is this changing kind of the talent landscape for cannabis companies? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if, you know, backing up to pre-COVID, you had a strong focus on hiring people that would be shoulder to shoulder with you in the physical sense. A lot of that was just wanting to micromanage people or just believing it was the only way to get it done if we were all together all the time. Of course, we were then forced into working in different ways and some companies, more of your tech platforms in the industry and, and a lot of brands, they've decided, okay, well, you know, this is it. Let's save on the brick and mortar and just sign up for being a remote work, work from home organization for the most part. And that that is a big benefit in the sense of now when you're running a search for, you know, a chief or other executive leader of your team, you're running a national search rather than just trying to pick from your own backyard because we weren't really working with any relocation packages worth speaking of yeah. uh, in the space. And I think a small group of companies have gone out and said, well, by, you know, such and such date, we're going to demand everyone to come back, which in my opinion is kind of silly because we can't predict when it'll be <laughs> safe to do that. Yeah. So outside of the companies that have decided, okay, we're work from home companies now, You've got other companies that are just taking it day by day and waiting on their HR and legal teams to say, okay, now is a safe time to ask everyone to come back more regularly. And until that happens, most of our searches start out with, well, you know, our headquarters are in New York or Boston or wherever they are. We prefer candidates, you know, here or very close, you know, within a couple hour drive or train right away. And then you start mushrooming that search out and looking for people that will are further out because it's just we want to get the best possible candidate. So it's provided us and hiring companies the luxury, for better or worse, to run bigger searches where we can access more talent. And I don't think those those companies that are doing that right now are terribly happy about it. I know a lot of those founder leaders really wish everyone would get back to it together. They believe that there's better collaboration where people are physically bumping into each other more often in an office setting. But we're also seeing that companies can still succeed in this sense. And we've placed a lot of good leadership talent with hiring clients in this industry because of that you know, um, geographic flexibility. I think what's important for companies and talent to communicate, what we ask is, is look, if, if you're in New York and you're going to hire your, your corporate controller based out of Chicago and they're going to lead a big team that's mostly in the Northeast, just let's let's please agree that you're not going to you know turn around on this person six, 12, 18 months down the road and you know twist their arm to to move east if they've shared up front that they're not going to move. And if you're a candidate, don't say you will move down the road if the company's asking for it. If you're really not going to, yeah. so right, just keeping everyone on the on the honor system and sh- sharing transparently what is is important for your business or for your family as a candidate and making sure that's aligned because that happens a lot in this industry the remote work hire and then shortly after sort of like oh well actually we need you out here can you come out we'll relocate you if if you want that just communicate that up front obviously yeah, yeah. it's kind of being being as as transparent as you possibly can around what the what the future may hold and how you're going to navigate those questions or, or just being honest we're not sure right saying 
we're, we don't know how things are going to play out in two or three years. And either you need to be prepared or we need to be able to have that conversation if it, if it comes up, knowing that up front. How do, how do you deal? I mean, I, I always find with finding great executives and building out leadership teams, there's all the skill stuff, right? Like we need people that have this experience and have these sort of capacities and capabilities and skill sets. But then there's the cultural fit side, right? And it's both, you know, the fit with the other executives as well as the cultural fit with a company. How do you, I guess, how do you assess from, you know, your client, what is going to create a good, not just a good cultural fit, but a, a good cultural ad, right? A good, you know, if you need to increase some diversity in different ways, like how do you assess that and kind of put that as part of the process above and beyond just raw kind of technical skills? Yeah. Yeah. So important. And we're, we're helping a client here in our backyard here in Boulder work through that right now in a sales leader role where there's a candidate that is extremely well qualified for the role, but there's just a question about fit factor. And speaking with the hiring authority about a week ago, we talked about, well, there's, you know, we've had a few conversations with this person. We like them, think they could succeed in the job, but not really sure about their fit for leading the team. And that was just a simple recommendation of, has anyone met uh, the candidate in person? And, and that just ties into the overriding theme is just more touch points, get to yeah. know them, a lot by phone, by Zoom chat or Teams, and if possible, meet in person. Just the more touch points, the better to really understand what they're about far beyond the paper. Because, you know, paper matching paper is great, but that that fit factor. And, and you said it well, it's not just culture fit, but culture enhancer. Yeah. Right. You know, so if you're, because again, these are still young businesses, even the ones, the, the, I'm using air quotes here, the established businesses in the yeah. space, it's all relative. They've been around just a decade and yeah. right. Uh, they've, they figured out culturally what they're uh, about, what they stand for, but they, they still need to deepen the, the, the DNA of their, their culture and always hire people that will further enhance it. And I do believe that your HR business partners are really good gatekeepers on that. I'm always just, just, I'm quite a bit shocked when people say, Oh, well, your HR business partner should have nothing to do with your culture, but, I think quite the opposite. That's wow. your cultural gatekeeper. Yeah. And he or she should be understanding, have, have our hiring authorities or the stakeholders are really got to know this person well enough. Uh, what, what is, what is he or she like beyond the paper? What are they into? What do they do for hobbies? What's their family situation? Like what have they been through in life? Do their values align with us in the ways that are important? You don't have to understand what all their political and religious and other views are, but do we just like them? And you can't really understand that by just, you know, a few 30 to 60 minute conversations over phone or, or videos. So yeah. just more touch points. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I like this idea of enhancers. I mean, it, what do you find currently in cannabis in terms of things that growing companies need to kind of consider adding to their leadership that they might not currently have. I don't, I don't want to be too leading in the question. <laughs> like, like what, do you, what are you noticing or what are you finding in terms of, you know, a lot of these companies need to bring in people with, you know, X experience or X kind of mindset or, you know, thinking style or approach. Like, what is there anything that you're finding you're, you're bringing, you're recommending or, or you're finding people that are going to change the, the leadership in some way? Yes. I, I don't think there's a challenge for any cannabis business to find the very technical disciplinary skills they need for whatever the role is, be it a head of extraction or cultivation or otherwise. Yeah. I think most businesses are succeeding uh, in that way if they're doing well at at least matching paper to paper. It's it's just the, probably circling back to more touch points to understand 
do they have those other essential skills that are not, you know, uh, read about on paper and getting better delegation. Just, I think, I guess the overarching theme is leadership skills, better delegators, better empathizers, better inspirators, you know, people that are entering the industry for the right reason. They're passionate about entering the cannabis industry because X, Y, Z, understanding is that the reason that's going to provide them the in, the intrinsic, you know, uh, just just fuel every day to grind through it and not get frazzled and become absent to their to their teams. So understanding what's going to drive them to succeed and be the empathetic, present leaders who can properly delegate and trust and follow up the right way with their people, but not micromanage them. And then, of course, tied to that are really good recruiters in your leadership team, people that are these talent orbits that will bring a whole system of talent with them, people that have worked with them before or have been trying to work for them because they have these reputations and hire people that are just great at building and leading high-performing teams. Uh, That is a huge, huge X factor because you can hire corporate recruiters or a third party like us, Mm -hmm. ideally, of course, to get it done. But at the end of the day, if you want to hire great talent, they're going to snip out if you don't have the right leaders in place to inspire them to join the team ultimately. Yeah. You got the the kind of the great people want to work with great people, right? So it's, if you don't have the the context or the kind of culture set up for, for people to really feel like they've, they've got an opportunity to excel, it's, it's going to be hard or difficult. Yeah. There's right now there, there are a lot of leaders in the industry that have gotten there through what I call the, the pie eating contest conundrum is basically they've won the world's worst pie eating contest. Now they're your COO or VP of whatever it may be because the last two, three people exited for whatever reason and they just quickly got promoted. Now they're in a role they're not qualified for, but they're in there because they were trusted and they're not being provided any you know, type of support to develop. They're, they're not in any type of executive leadership training and development programs. It's just, well, you were you know, an associate a year ago, now you're our director, VP or C-suite member, you know, good luck with it. And right. And so that's really tough. And now you've got a COO that is massively unqualified to be that person. And they have to hire directors and managers and VPs for their team. And you want top talent in those roles to report to this person you trust, but there's misalignment there. Yeah. Are you noticing, uh, any industries people are coming into cannabis from? I mean, I, I, you know, I know we've talked about this before a little bit and it was, you know, there was, you know, kind of various industries people were trying to pull from, but what, what have you noticed now in terms of, you know, migrations from, you know, other adjacent industries? What, what seems to be the trend or have you noticed any trends? Well, I've noticed the continued trend of hiring a lot from CPG, uh, from your food and beverage consumer package goods. Mm -hmm. It's after that, you know, if you're, if you're really running a cannabis business that wants to succeed long term, you're you're thinking about all things compliance, uh, and you know included amongst all the other things. And so you're really looking to hire from other highly regulated industries, which is a pretty long list from life sciences to tobacco to gaming and and so on. And what I think what we've seen is a better understanding by these businesses of what their culture is and who fits, because hiring from life sciences is going to get you something different yeah. than hiring from beer. And then also depends on the role and filling this chief compliance officer role. The client did not want someone who had worked for decades in the med tech or pharma space because they knew that building a pharmaceutical industry type of quality management system would handicap the company. It would just tie their hands too much and it would yeah. create like a lot of you know operational blocks. So 
It's really been from all fronts. I, I would say the majority continues to be from food and beverage. Uh, it just makes sense. But as more operators go public and want to access a, a broader pool of investors, they've moved from maybe just hiring from life sciences because they're more of a medical marijuana company to hiring people who are coming from retail and CPG because those are uh, bigger investor bases. So you can get more volume going. And, you know, that's, that's a whole other conversation about how things change after you go public. Yeah. Yeah. Whole nother, we'll do another episode on that one. Um, so I'm curious if, if a company listening to this is, uh, you know, getting ready or, or feeling the need to, to do some senior hires, what, what are some of the things they can do to kind of get their house in order or get their thinking in order before they contact someone like you, you know, to actually do a search? Like what, what, what would help them be more successful in the process? Sure. So understanding who you want in the process upfront is great because, you know, let's think about things that, that I, as your recruiter, can't tell you what to do. I could advise on who should be a part of that, but really ultimately that's your decision. So who's going to be a part of that process? Speak to those people first and build out the things that they're going to vet for. Uh, understand the best you can what you you want to offer on the comp package constructs. So are you going to be more equity or cash heavy? If you can land at an overall comp package range, great, or you, you should be able to uh, get that advice from your recruiter when you share what the desired profile is. And then just really tied to that is be be prepared to just be realistic. Don't go shopping with you know champagne taste and beer budget because you're going <laughs> to end up spinning your wheels, yeah. right? And if you come to that conversation, prepare to talk specific numbers or get those numbers from consultative type of recruiter, just you know, don't end up deciding on, oh, we're going to get, you know, that one hire that should earn some salary, but we're going to offer half the salary and hope that they're very hungry for equity. Yes, you could maybe attract someone like that, but at the end of the day, they're, they're still going to come knocking on your door after a short amount of time asking for more cash comp if you haven't had a transaction that paid them off. So just, yeah, understanding that. And, and beyond that is, yeah, if you have a culture to talk about, understand how you're going to you know, present and discuss your culture with talent so you can get the right alignment and make sure that your hiring team is in lockstep on how to present where the company is. Because if you've got two or 10 people in your hiring process representing your company and you're not all singing the same tune, then you're not going to win that right talent. They're going to sniff it out and say, okay, something's not right. I'm going to move mm-hmm. on to the next. Yeah, no, great advice. Brian, if people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, interesting, you know, interested in uh, re- recruiting services, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, website is HunterEsquire.com. You could write to hello at HunterEsquire.com. My email is Brian with a Y at HunterEsquire.com or find me on LinkedIn. Great. I'll make sure all those links and everything is in the show notes so people can get that information. Brian, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, Bruce. I had fun. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.